0: Hey, this is Liz. This is Heather.
1: And on this third week of Shark Month, we are covering the Meg. And we have a special guest with us, Stephanie Brendel, who is the executive director of Shark Allies. And we're also going to talk about the top five reasons that it's your fault if you get bitten by a shark.
0: All right, hit that music.
1: everybody welcome back to week three of shark month here at nerdy bitches podcast we are super super excited uh, week one was amazing we did jaws and uh, week two we covered deep blue sea so you probably still have that crazy ass song stuck in your head like i do and this week we are actually covering uh, the meg with jason statham and i'm super excited because we also have a guest with us today We have with us the Executive Director of Shark Allies, Stephanie Brindle. Hi there. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So, so Stephanie, we're super glad that you're here with us today. Uh, One of the things that we wanted to do as a part of our Shark Month activity, because September is my birthday, is at the end of September, Mm -hmm. and this was the topic that I chose because I'm a shark nut. And I just, you know, I wanted to do some do more than just talk about the movies like we want to bring awareness we want to talk about conservation but we also wanted to raise some money last year i raised a little bit of money as a birthday fundraiser on facebook for your organization and i thought well this year wouldn't it be fun to do that from the podcast and hopefully our listeners will chip in as well
2: that's wonderful yeah that's um i really appreciate you doing that and um thanks for doing it last year Mm -hmm. it was it really it really helps
1: yeah and and we wanna we wanna just talk to you a little bit about like tell us about your background and and kind of how you got into sharks i guess
2: my background is not academic. I <laughs> put that out there <laughs> right away i am uh, my i came to sharks through being a scuba diver and spending a lot of time in the Pacific Islands. I lived there for a while and that's where I learned how to scuba dive and a lot of the dives that I went on I still could see I mean, there were plenty of sharks on every single dive. And um I was always very interested in the the bigger animals, even, you know, on land and while diving. So I, I was very much drawn to whales and dolphins and sharks and and um eventually through many, many more turns and twists I had a shark diving company in In Hawaii, and I was able to take people out diving with sharks almost every day. And you know, when you have that opportunity, uh, you know, I really uh, took it upon myself to educate myself as much as I can. I thought, if I talk to people, then I need to be an expert. And you know, it's hard. It's hard. there is no degree in, in, in unless you want to go into shark biology. I mean, marine biology and then study mm-hmm. sharks, which is many, many years. There is no real advocacy that, that specializes mm-hmm. on sharks, and I was always more interested in in conservation than in in the biology part of it. So I taught myself and eventually ended up in um, doing a lot of conservation work and and policy work and and was part of the first uh, fin trade ban in, in Hawaii, which became a historic move. And that got emulated in many more states. And that changed my life. And here I am. <laughs> I sold my business and I'm only doing shark conservation a full time.
1: That's amazing. Yes. Yeah. We we talked a little bit about sh- uh, kind of the realities of shark finning in, in our first episode this month and and why it's so barbaric and just, horrible. And, Mm -hmm. you know, and can you tell us just a little bit more about like, what does Shark Allies really focus on? And what are your goals for the future?
2: We have three or four different campaigns that You know, we're working on, we always work on outreach and education, doing presentations in schools and even anything from even uh, universities and film studios, anyone that wants to learn about sharks. We do that. We also have a lot of educational material about shark products and and how they're being used. uh, Anything from um, shark meat, shark squalene, which is in cosmetics. You know, all of the things that we can find sharks in that people don't know uh, we also do shark diving trips where we take people out to see sharks, but you know by far the biggest percentage of work that we we <laughs> kind of put all of our effort and energy towards is the eliminating the sale and trade of shark fins, mm-hmm. which is you know of course the biggest problem that we 're facing for sharks by far out of all conservation issues with sharks it's the fin trade. That's the biggest problem. So this is why we feel the the way to save the most sharks in our outreach work and, and and advocacy work is by working on reducing the fin trade because you know that can save millions of sharks. When you get something passed, when you when you end up banning the the sale and trade of shark fins, you you know you're affecting the trade, which is much you know, which is what we need to do. Mm-hmm. So that's what we're focusing on, and it, it's a, it's the hardest and the least um, glamorous work because you're you know you're dealing with um, uh, you know you're basically walking around in the suit and and working uh, in meetings. You're not out on the boat dealing with sharks, so it's right. it's, it's not the most natural thing someone might want to do, but it's really what needs to be done. So yeah, that's um that's what we're doing is uh, and you know specifically what that means is that we work with. Um, Policy makers um, and agencies that develop uh, either fisheries regulations or um, policymakers, such as legislators, to you know mm-hmm. advocate for laws that ban the trade and sale of fins, and that that's what we're trying to do in Florida. And it's you know, as you can imagine, legislative campaigns are very complicated. They they, they require a lot of dedicated work. <laughs> you don't just introduce a bill one day and then say hooray we did it <laughs> you know it that's that's the, the first step and then it it you slog away at it for you know a year trying to get support and and science and data and providing everyone with what they need so we have a very complex uh, campaign on our hands that's um usually undertaken by much bigger foundations that have a lot of funding and we're super grassroots. So we are constantly trying to, uh, to fundraise and in the least, uh, you know, in the least obtrusive way, because we want to stay focused on doing the actual work, not on fundraising. So we really appreciate when people like you do something creative, like you do because it eases the pressure on us.
1: Well yeah we we get that <laughs> with uh with a name like nerdy bitches we are a little bit grassroots ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> exactly. But you know what grassroots is where most of the the movement happens, you know? This is where people don't have to be quite as corporate and things move faster and you don't have to run everything through 17 different boards and legal departments. So you know, sometimes being small and nimble is is really good, and mm-hmm. and I think it's also great for people that you want to collaborate yep. with because they know exactly who they're talking to. I mean, when you wrote to Shark Allies, you got straight to me, and we were on the phone. And you know, I mean, it's that's what people want. They want to talk to people and and get a get a, a promise or a commitment from a person, not from a a board that you know meets four months later and makes a decision. So there's a, there's a real benefit to it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and that was, again, one of our goals is like, let's find an organization that can use our help. And that you know, that we, even, even though we're, we're still a fairly small podcast in the grand ocean of podcasting, I guess, um, Mm -hmm. you know, we, we have that ability. And, and the fact that you, mm-hmm. you answered and we're like, yay, sure. I'll come on the show. That sounds great. And, and that's yeah. awesome for us because it gives us an opportunity to get a little bit wider and it gives us an opportunity to educate our, our folks as well. Cause that's the nerdy side of us. We <laughs> we don't want to just talk yeah. about things we want to educate. And, and again, I've, I became like a shark advocate at like age 10 You know, it's like I watched (laughs) watched a National Geographic shark episode or something and I was just completely enthralled and hooked. And and it's something Mm -hmm. like I'm not a water person. I'm not like an under the water person. I don't I don't dive and stuff. I'd love to, but it's just not anything that I've ever really done. But this is still something I feel very strongly about. And because I, you know, I I like I have three dogs, but if you could, I would probably have three sharks. So, you know, (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah less less we cuddly but less cuddly yeah. but
1: more awesome in a way so
2: well you know i i feel i feel so um fascinated by sharks mostly because they are so wild and because we can't you know we can't tame them we can't you know really put them in captiv- captivity captivity mm-hmm. they're purely purely wild and they're they really don't give a damn about us, which is great, which is how it should be mm-hmm. and uh you know in a good way and a bad way, I mean they just they could they couldn't care less about us, and that just kind of is very it's a very basic natural feeling to me is is that you know, life out there exists without us mm-hmm. and and despite
1: us. Well, it's a little bit humbling, too, because I, I think we've all, you know, oh, we've yeah. all seen Jaws and these different things. Oh, my gosh. Uh-huh. If you put a toe in the water, you're going to get it bitten by a shark. If you have a cut on your hand, instantly. yeah, instantly every <laughs> shark in the world is going to murder you. And. And I think it's very humbling to see, like I watch, I watch Shark Week. The Shark Week is like Mm -hmm. my Super Bowl. I watch it constantly. And so I've seen every episode. I've got like 31 years of it set aside. (laughs) And, and it's like, it, it always shocks me how hard people have to work to get bitten in these, in these situations. And, you know, just thinking about the, the small number of people who are you know hurt by sharks let alone killed by sharks every year it's just such you know microscopic type numbers in the grand scheme that it is humbling it's like again we think we're so oh we're on the menu if we touch the water they're going to kill us but they're like (laughs) no like we don't want you you stink you're like gas station sushi we're just not interested so
2: (laughs) i've never heard that before but that's a good good comparison so heather do you have any questions
0: Yes. Is Sharknado possible? <laughs> Sharknado?
2: <laughs> um, sure. I guess anything is possible, right? I mean how can you definitively say that it couldn't happen? No, I'm 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 fairly sure things like Megalodon and Sharknado are fairly impossible to happen. And even if they did happen, um Let's just say sharks could get sucked up into a tornado. Mm-hmm. The last thing they would think about is, is actually biting people as they came down to <laughs> <That's> earth. <right. laughs> they'd, be, they'd be absolutely horrified and shocked and they would just probably die, right. you know? So, I mean, if you want to look at it that way and, and Megalodon would be, um, probably starving to death mm-hmm. because imagine such a big shark, how much it would have to eat. So, uh, yeah, it's funny to to you know. It's a good thought um, experiment to think about what it actually would take to to make something like that happen. <laughs> I've seen much worse. I mean, I've seen I've seen uh, pitches for show for shows or uh, films that included zombies and sharks and Nazis and, and everything of <laughs> the above all in one. You know, all the worst things <laughs> all in one, and it's just, it's awesome. But people think of. But honestly, I'm I'm much more. Uh, we' i 'm much less worried about films that are so over the top because it doesn 't really i don't think it increases the fear of sharks uh as maybe a film would that 's more close to reality, mm-hmm. like the shallows or forty two meters down where people pretend to be diving or surfing, and then the sharks start stalking them and that's that's what buys right in you know that that kind of goes right into the primal fears that we have about something grabbing us from below. And you know Sharknado and Megs. Nobody goes in there thinking that that's real, <laughs> right? You know, and it's just it's not. Good, good fun to watch it. You know, it's just good fun. Yeah. And uh, it's kind of like going in and watching a zombie movie, or you know, or something about, um, you know, like American Horror Story or mm-hmm. something. We don't watch American Horror Story, and then are scared of every person that comes our way.
1: Right.
2: We might be scared of clowns, or you know, specific characters, but you know, we we don't. So you know, I'm just. The, I think it's more damaging are the, the films that pretend to be almost close to a, a real situation. Mm, like and they're actually filmed in real locations, you know, that, that where sharks would be, such as Guadalupe with 42 meters down. I mean, that's that's exactly how you dive with sharks, or you get in a cage. Yeah. But You know, and then they kind of go over the edge, and then, you know, it becomes almost like that would definitely happen if you were there. Yeah. (laughs)
1: Like, I would love to go cage diving, but I'd like to go like six meters down. Like, I don't need to go 47, I don't need to go that far.
2: (laughs) I sh- <laughs> yeah, it would actually be very, very difficult, you know, mm. I mean, most cages are kept on the surface. Yeah. And, you know, and uh, and it, there's the logistically, it, it's very, you don't want to be trapped in something while you're, you, you know, while you can't get to the surface. I mean, of course, that's the whole premise of that right. film. I never, I never actually watched 42 meters down or, or whatever the next one is, because I would get too angry. I can't watch the shallows either because those make me angry. Uh, Meg and, and jaws and and all those, I can watch those and enjoy them, but the ones that are just, you know, too close to, to reality, but then demonizing sharks, I just get, you know, even with some of the shark week shows that are going a little far with the fear factor, I really get frustrated when I watch it, but. I try to do it to just for homework, just so I know what's out there.
1: Yeah, I love the Shark Week shows. The things that bother me is when they focus so much on the and, and attack survival stories are good because then it's you know most most of the people who are attacked will come back and say, well, it's not the shark's fault. I mean, I'm laying there like bait, sure, but I, I, it's like I want to learn more about what's great about them and and how cool they yeah. are and what they have to offer to our planet and to our society and everything else rather than just everyone oh, i was eaten by a shark one day kind of thing that it's yeah. like okay what what are we going with here so
2: well it's also how things are presented you can you can present um an, any story in a certain way that makes it more scary and even though you didn't quite lie you present it in a way where it implies you know with hectic music and heartbeat and we're almost there and heavy breathing and oh oh, we almost got you know we're out of there now or (laughs) get to the cage or get on the boat you know it's just nothing really happens but it's, it's presenting it in a way as as if it could happen yeah but you know i mean you know even within shark week there are lots of people that you know work for discovery and and for shark week that would love to see that change they would love to not have to cringe when they look at some of the shows but it's it's just it goes all the way up to you know certain shareholders that love the the ratings and there will there will be a slow change in the next years where they'll come back more to um being not quite as sensationalistic um i wish that they would realize how big of a voice they have uh, globally for sharks? I'm sure that they realize it, but I don't underst- I don't quite know if they are- I realize how much they are the biggest megaphone for sharks yeah. on the planet. And I feel like there's a little bit of responsibility that comes with that. Not meaning, not saying that the programming needs to change, but I think in addition to the programming, there could be some some things that could really help shark conservation. But, you know, it's Hollywood, it's, you know, it's a different world. And, you know, all we can do is, is chip away at it. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I agree, you know, big, big horror movies, those, those are fine. Mm-hmm. Go, go have a, have at it, get popcorn, <laughs> and have fun. You know, Jaws is somewhere in the middle, you know, yeah. because it is realistic. And it is a really, really good film. I watch Jaws because I, I just like this, the, the dialogue and the characters and the storytelling. I just think it's a great film. I mean, I just I totally ignore the fact that they're, you know, that the shark is there almost because that part doesn't even really interest me. Well, the
1: shark (laughs) shark doesn't even show up until an hour and 20 minutes into the movie. But one of the things about and we talked about this with our Jaws episode two weeks ago was that, you know, yeah, it's a great movie. And it was a good horror movie because that's what it was set out to be, just a monster movie. But it had such far reaching real world trauma that's attached to it because so many people went out and started killing sharks for sport and they were so scared and it bumped up that primal primal fear and then the like competitive sportsman horribleness of it and uh, i did like reading that uh, that peter and wendy benchley actually became conservationists and really were like horrified by what this movie had done to the shark community shark population and so then they started Mm -hmm. working to try to conserve the sharks and say hey y'all that was literally just a movie like maybe take it down a notch (laughs) like
2: (laughs) yeah i guess that's to bring it back to meg you know that that is that's obviously not the the case with meg people are not going to go out and try and, and hunt sharks because they
1: saw I Meg. i sure hope not uh, <laughs>
2: yeah well i yeah i think that that time might be over um i think it's real life shark attacks that could could get us back to that point where people want to you know they say oh more sharks are you know conservation is working now we have too many sharks now now we need to kill a few because i don't think that's a thing <laughs> They, they have The perception is that there are more attacks again, but it's it's really just a perception when you look at the numbers, there are fewer shark attacks every yeah. year, but you know, it just gets a lot of coverage. There are more shark sightings because we have more drones in the air and we have people on stand-up paddle boards, and that changes your perspective. Mm-hmm. And now sharks are seen every time they're near shore, but before we would have never known.
1: Yeah, we weren't so. looking for them, so...
2: Yeah, we weren't looking. We weren't seeing them. So now it's on our radar, so it's there. But, um, yeah, I mean, Meg was, you know, they did have a short uh, section in there where they tried to do something about shark finning. Mm -hmm. Uh, They had a a little moment there when they saw some shark carcasses without fins and and somehow tried to – initially, I think they were trying to make the point that maybe Meg was – you know, angry about that. Yeah, was eating people because of that, and I could see how they were like, oh, "We're gonna try," but no, <laughs> yeah. yeah, we'll go, but no, it's just too convoluted. And I, I have to agree, it would have been too, too convoluted. But uh, you know, props to them for, for even trying. Yeah,
0: exactly. Heather, do you have any other questions? Or yeah, I was just, you know, I think that's when it gets the weirdest in these movies, where you kind of um, start. When they start to project the intent on an animal, you know, Uh and in these cases, like um, you know, obviously Jaws did it. uh, The Meg did it a little bit, and um, even the Wolf movie with the Gray with uh, Liam Neeson. You know, Mm -hmm. when they have, okay, now we're going after and we're going to avenge, you know, (laughs) (laughs) avenge something. I think that's when it like people start going, Oh, they're just like us. They're just like, you know, they're just godless killing machines. Yeah. <laughs> so, but that, but yes, the Meg was goofy enough that I think that I was able to step back. But um, I'm still afraid of spiders because of arachnophobia. And <laughs> really, they were out to get me. Really? I'm to God. Yeah. Well, spiders are
1: just evil. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: I love spiders. I mean,
1: it's.
2: I'm fine with spiders yeah, was, outside I was, doing their thing. I, I was I actually was going to use that as an example. I was going to say that, hey, you can watch something like arachnophobia and not be, get more scared of of spiders. But apparently that's not true. You, you've just
0: disproven that fact. I, so. I was at that age in which you should not be watching horror movies on repeat. And uh, <laughs> true. It, was true. Right. it was like junior high-ish, you know? Yeah. And yeah. Um, it's they it always stuck with me i could still like see it
2: <laughs> <laughs> well that's you know that's it, it, it it's an interesting conversation uh with with psychologists too and i've tried to do a lot of reading on why we're so scared of certain animals and you know it just it comes down to to instincts that we still have in our body mm-hmm. in our you know dna we were supposed to be scared of things that might be poisonous that might be lurking around and and could hurt us or kill us um and especially the things that that you know animals where we can't see their uh, facial expressions that makes it tricky too because we can't read if they're aggressive or not like a spider you'll see it you don't know if it's going to jump on you or run away because you can't read it um and you know sharks as well they don't have much of a facial expression so that's scary (laughs) but then also you know they're lurking kind of in the deep, that's already scary. Most people are scared to even just go in deep water. So here you are, you go in deep water, deeper water that where you might not see the bottom. And then you have something there that you know nothing about. You don't know how they behave. And, and everyone tells you that the moment you see a shark, it is there to eat you. So that's not good. And you know they also have sharp teeth, and apparently it really is still in us that we're scared of things that are have sharp, big teeth because those are predators, and they those are the things that used to hunt us. So wolves, you know, polar bears, mountain lions, lions, um, African lions, um, you know, sharks, we're very scared of them, even though other things that don't have big teeth kill far more people Mm -hmm. per year they're not as frightened you know far more people in africa get killed by water buffalo than than by lions i believe yeah and
1: hippos and elephants and all that
2: yeah so but because they look so benign and it's like well at most 90 percent of the time that you could walk right up to them and feed them grass i guess you know they, they seem to be okay in our mind so you know but i agree i mean we also get damaged by media when we we watch it at a certain age it sticks it sticks to you you know you you you're scared of of certain things i i was smart enough as a kid i didn't want to watch horror movies because <laughs> uh, i didn't want to be scared of the dark i didn't want to be scared of anything so i th- i knew myself and i knew that if i watched mostly things about crazy people attacking you i would be really scared to walk mm-hmm. around at night <laughs> Uh, I was never scared of animals, those never worried me or spiders or anything. It was just movies about crazy people in masks and with chainsaws and you know that's what I was like, Oh <laughs> if anything is if anything is scary, it's people so as long as you're in a place where no people, you're fine.
1: Well, I think with the people you get that that intent to do harm much more than an animal animal will be like, eh, I'm hungry, maybe I'll take a bite of this you know, and that's an instinctual animal kind of thing, like it's not personal. But with the psycho people, it's it's totally personal.
2: Yeah, and you never know who that's going to be. You you know, it could be someone you know uh, that you think is a friend. With animals, when you you know when you have a friend, and um and you know animals also don't go on a revenge spree. They're not going (laughs) out to find the cousin of the person that killed
1: their brother, like Jaws (laughs) Four. Exactly.
2: (laughs) They don't. They don't have that kind of reasoning. They don't even have that within their own species. You know, they're not going after someone that that even the most sensitive mammals, let's say orcas and elephants that are really hold a long memory and have very strong family bonds and they mourn over their, their dead. And, you know, even they don't go on a revenge, revenge spree, even though they probably remember who did it over years, mm-hmm. you know? So um, it's just not, not what, how nature functions. It's it's it eat or get eaten and it, it's a cycle and it's only the homo sapiens that is this cruel, um, animal that hunts for sport i mean there's a few animals that play with their food as well orcas and cats for example Mm -hmm. but you know they're not doing it just for sport and then you know and at, at great numbers and you know also this this whole thing of extracting so far more than we need constantly of everything we just can't get enough we're we're like a super predator we we take and take and take and and fish as much as we can and hunt as much as we can before someone else gets it and has nothing to do with what we actually need it's all about let's eliminate the 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 species that are competition you know let's get rid of everything that could be eating the same thing we want to eat or anything that could be dangerous or anything that could maybe <laughs> eat too much grass. I mean Or looks it really at us funny that. or you know. <laughs> yeah. It's like get rid of it safety first, you know? I mean it's absolutely unreasonable most of the time. So that's where sharks are at the very bottom of that that of that level too. Um they're just some of the least favorite animals of most people. Um, even if they're fascinated and they say they like them, they're just horrified of them and, and it's a big phobia. Mm-hmm. And it's funny it can go hand in hand because in my business in Hawaii, I actually took many people out that came and they said, sharks are my biggest phobia. I'm so scared of them, but that's why I want to go out and see them because I'm also kind of fascinated by them. So it's, it's, there's a very close, you know, yeah. it's a close relationship between fascination and fear. Fine line.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. Sounds good. Well, I have a couple of questions for you, Stephanie, that have come from some of our audience members. I just put it out quickly on social media and got a few, Mm -hmm. few questions for you. Um, Mm -hmm. I have two, I will say, uh, which species do you feel is the most dangerous to humans potentially?
2: Um, other humans
1: <laughs> first of all
2: first of all um, well shark
1: species let's say that
2: so, oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. I was gonna I was gonna go mosquitoes pigs, cows. you were gonna, you were gonna have to wait an hour before I said shark right
1: no um,
2: well there's really only three large three or four large species that um, that could potentially look at it as a human at a human as uh, I might check it out. It might be food. And those are great white bull sharks and tiger sharks. Mm-hmm. Um, then there's some bigger, boulder sharks like um, oceanic white tip and mako shark that are big enough that they can do damage if, you know, mm-hmm. if, if you have an interaction with them. Oceanics get blamed for a lot of um, shipwreck uh, type deaths where people are already in the water and hurt or, you know, half of those are the stories are however really skewed where the people probably were already dead and then the sharks came yeah, and ate them. Yeah. Um, so it's hard to know because the, the trauma, it, it doesn't always keep the story straight, but you know, as as far as shark attacks go and, and, and sharks that you really shouldn't be trying to interact with, unless you know what you're doing, it would be, it would be mostly tiger sharks and great whites. Uh, just because of their size and because of how they hunt and what they eat and where they hunt. So if if you're in a place where they're there to hunt and then you, you're, you're an option mm-hmm. uh, to test, they're not going to actually want to consume you. But unfortunately, when one of those sharks bites you, it's usually people who die from blood loss.
1: Right, right.
2: Because it's just it's just such a big that you lose a whole limb because that's how they hunt. I mean, tiger sharks go after turtles. They bite down very hard to get through that turtle shell, and to take a piece off, and then they wait for the turtle to be you know swimming around bleeding, and then they'll eventually come back and eat it. Mm-hmm. And with tiger, with um, great whites, very often with seals and and sea lions and the big mam- mammals that they like to hunt they have to ambush them, so they have to hide until until they get very close and they have to make one run at them Mm -hmm. because if they don't get them on the first run, those mammals are way too limber and quick and they're very maneuverable and great whites are not. So if they don't get them on the first try, they probably won't get them because those things will just swim circles around them and hide behind their fin and, you know, like really literally tap them on the shoulder and, you know, I mean, they just – It's just how it works with great whites Mm -hmm. or, or both sharks will swim around and test things. They will, they'll put their mouth on something and bite down and they have actual receptors in their mouths just to put it in a simple way Mm -hmm. where they can, um, great whites at least can immediately determine what your calorie uh, value is (laughs) when they bite down. And if you're nice and fat and juicy, they will eat you, but no human is fat and juicy enough. So <laughs> that's why great whites don't eat people. They're not fat enough. You need to be a seal. Or you need to be something that has really high,
1: high fat content like blubber so we're the uh, kale salad of the food chain yeah
2: <laughs> exactly And they're like no i don't but they don't have hands to test right. it so they test everything with their mouth and and tiger sharks they test a lot of things because they like to they're very lazy they like to swim around and t- check things that are floating around on the surface they'll bite buoys and they'll bite the edge of a boat and they'll bite down on styrofoam just to kind of see what it is and because they don't like to work for their food. They like to go around and just kind of find mm-hmm. stuff that's half dead. So, so,
0: yeah. It sounds like the way I'm picturing it then is that like, it's like a feeding frenzy when somebody puts like donuts in the break room. <laughs> like, <laughs> like there's so many people reaching for it. And somebody just accidentally grabbed a piece of their hand. Like, yeah. Oh,
2: sorry. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, you know what? The the funny thing is, so now I have to get technical because Um, feeding frenzy actually rarely ever happens. It's more of like if donuts had feet and they were really fast like mice and you were trying to get one, you know, (laughs) you'd have to really run at it and get that donut on the first try, right? You're not going to get it if that donut knows you're coming. (laughs)
0: um,
2: It's more like that because, because actually if there's a bunch of sharks, that say around a dead whale, they actually did, they, they develop a real hierarchy. It's a very orderly You know, the biggest shark gets to take a bite, then swims on, and then the next shark comes and takes a bite. They don't go at it like dogs would, and they don't snap at each other. Uh, They might at some point bite each other if one of the sharks is not not sticking to the hierarchy. But it's a very quick and and not very, um, you know, violent thing. They, sharks are very subtle. They're, it's all about swimming next to each other or towards each other, and then one of them will go. Okay, you're bigger. All right, go for it. You know they're very cautious.
1: Yeah, so yeah, donuts with feet. Oh, now I'm thinking <laughs> if donuts had feet, I would be in a lot better shape. Yeah.
0: I i'm like this is a <laughs> great idea
2: <laughs> right. yeah yeah exactly right put him on a, or put him on a little like really fast little roomba mm-hmm. and have to, <laughs> have, to <look. laughs> you have to chase him down okay so yeah all right yeah and i mean there's there's some other shark species that that hurt people but not really because they want to i mean you know the uh, carp certain carpet sharks like the wobbegong apparently has 28 um attacks a year i just recently read and i'm like how can a gonna attack Probably anyone step but it's on it stepping up, step on yeah. them right or with no sharks is divers messing with them touching them and then they they get their hand stuck on there because they the, their mouth is like a suction cup they just slurp it kind of up mm-hmm. kind of up their food up and if their hand is there then they get their hand stuck so the rest of them are all well, you shouldn't have been there in that that place in the first place. So, yeah. And cookie cutter sharks were like tiny, tiny sharks that live way deep, and they they come up to the surface only at night. And they're tiny sharks, but they have like a circular mouth that's almost like a cookie cutter stamp. And they attack um, usually bigger mammals like dolphins or or bigger fish like tuna. You'll see like a re- perfectly circular scar on them, and that's because the shark attaches itself and then just kind of rotates around and bites a big chunk out of you yeah those guys are a-holes
1: so, i've seen those <laughs> i've seen that i think i saw one there was a guy who was i don't know if he was swimming the english channel or what he was doing but he no, was, it was in hawaii yeah, yeah it was hawaii. like a long competition type swim and he yeah. actually got bit by this cookie cutter shark and i was like dang oh, that'd be horrible gross
2: yeah, I think it's one of the only known attacks. There might be others, but it's mostly it's 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 famous because of that. Because it's just you just everybody's kind of grossed out by it. I mean, it was in, in a deep channel, yeah. and and those those little sharks come up at nighttime to to catch big things off guard. And if that's a if that shark was bigger, that would be a real horror shark, right? Because it's it's just kind of strange and
1: mysterious. So So that goes to one of our listener questions is what is the most unusual shark you've ever seen?
2: Well, I haven't seen a cookie cutter shark, the most unusual shark. Uh, I haven't seen many that I find unusual, but I was lucky enough to see a thresher shark. Those are cool. Um, Yeah. And they have that really long tail, which seems very odd at first. And it's just, it's an odd looking animal when you see them in the water. Mm -hmm. Uh, otherwise, I haven't seen any other really odd sharks. There are some odd sharks. They just discovered another species that has a little pocket under their, I think, pictorial fin that, that where they can squirt uh, luminescent ink out cool. into the water. I mean, so they can squirt out... In a, almost like a um a squid i believe mm-hmm. i i i'm probably wrong about this but there's all sorts of specialized sharks that we don't even know about yet but they're all in the very deep and we will probably never see them unless they're caught in the net
1: yeah like those goblin sharks are so creepy looking yeah,
2: yeah exactly <laughs> yeah so i i think and pretty much a um yeah a thresher shark because it really is kind of oddly shaped when you when you think about
1: it yep Okay. In a pretty way. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what are some small ways that everyday people can help save sharks? What can we do?
2: Small ways, um, be a little bit aware of what you buy. Uh, our website has a whole section on shark products that um, if you go and eat seafood and don't know what it is, it could very well be shark Uh, it gets sold as a lot of under a lot of different names we have a whole listing on our site where it's sold as um, sometimes as rockfish or whitefish Um, there are all sorts of names that that you know they're called very often if uh, fish and chips Mm -hmm. is not named like it's cod or it's this or that it can be from shark Uh, uh, besides shark meat shark products there are certain uh, cosmetics companies that use squalene which is a it's a uh, emol- emollient i believe it makes it you know spreadable mm-hmm. uh it can totally be you know it can be olive oil in uh, or uh, olive squalene they call it but unfortunately they don't always um directly say whether it was from fish or from from olives but hopefully that will happen in sometime in the future um those kind of things they're small things of course don't eat shark fin soup mm-hmm. uh but most people um you know, in the U.S., I, I shouldn't say that. There's still quite a few places that serve shark fin soup. And, you know, some people see it as a novelty and they want to try it. Um, as long as you support the product, you are, you know, supporting the trade. So don't eat shark fin soup. Um, educate people about it. If you think that they're serving it at a banquet or a wedding or, or business dinner, um, say something and say, you know, eating eating shark fin soup is a lot like supporting buying elephant ivory be the same thing right so speak up educate other people talk to restaurants and tell them we don't appreciate you serving it um that you know there are still quite a few states that allow it and last but not least um support organizations that are fighting for sharks because it's harder to Directly get involved with helping sharks because it's not like um, you know let's say um,
1: it's not like a rescue uh, on the corner.
2: Uh, it's not like a rescue yeah. where you can give time or you can't go to the beach and help stranded sharks and you can't you know it, there's nothing you can at, actually do to help sharks pra- in, in a practical way but the people that are working on behalf of sharks like us, you know we're always we're trying to find the places and the ways to to do the most good if we can Mm -hmm. and if the community gets involved and helps us push what we're pushing then that's a really good way sometimes that means you you sign petitions um, or letters or you can sign you can write your own letters sometimes it means fundraising or uh, you know participating in an event uh, and or just basically following on social media and help spread the the message that we're trying to get out so, there are a lot of ways to help, but it you know you do have to try to become part of the community. you have to dive in there um then you learn and then you can spread that message and then you can start forming an opinion and like so many other things a lot of a lot of ways to to make the world better is through laws and policies unfortunately, I mean, it's our daily behavior as well but um just like with the recycling and climate change and renewable energy and you know recycling and all of that we try to do it uh on a you know household basis Mm -hmm. but then the really big offenders are really not that's not really where the big difference is going to be made right so that's that's kind of where we're at with ocean conservation and a lot of the the fishing problems is that yes do the right thing but you know it's about pulling together and and pushing at the right moments in the right direction to to get something done
1: Excellent. Heather, do you have any questions?
0: <laughs>
1: okay. Let's, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we can talk about the Meg more specifically. Uh, sure. And then we'll talk about a couple other things as we go on. So we'll be right back.
0: Hi, I'm Sunny Hepburn. And I'm Brandy Fleeks. And this is Book of Lies, Lies. the podcast, where we discuss liars, cheats, and thieves, scammers, and dirty rotten scoundrels. So tune in for new episodes every Tuesday to hear about another low-down dirty liar. And learn how to spot them. So that's Book of Lies podcast. Find us on your favorite podcast player or on Twitter at Book of Lies pod, on Instagram at Book of Lies podcast, and on Facebook at Book of Lies podcast. And if you want to send us an email Send us one at bookoflifepodcasts
1: at gmail.com. Okay. Bye-bye. Okay. Now we're back and we are going to talk specifically about The Meg. And this came out in 2018 with Jason Statham. And what do you you guys – now, Heather, you had never seen this before. Is that right? That's correct. So you've just seen it for the first time. Stephanie, you said you had seen it before. That's this. what when
2: it came out, yeah.
1: Okay. What were your initial initial thoughts on the movie?
0: Are you asking? Uh, people,
1: uh, who, whoever.
0: People first, <laughs> we go first oh, Mine had a lot to do with um, Jason Statham's uh, chest area. <laughs> so, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought it was great. It reminded me exactly of uh, Deep Blue Sea.
1: Very much so. And I, I think really it's
0: it going, There's another movie that this is like. And I was like, Oh, we watched it last week. Right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I say it, you know, I think it is kind of interesting that <laughs> when you watch these movies back, you know, if you watch them years apart, you're like, Oh, that's that's interesting and oh, that's cool. But when you watch them like in a row, you'll notice so many similarities and even just Easter eggs and nods towards the other ones. So like when we watched um, Jaws, you know, we saw the license plate from Louisiana that was inside the tiger shark. And then we saw the, the lady who is 112 but owns a six-year-old and she wears widow wear and all this crazy stuff. And then as you move on to Deep Blue Sea, you see that there's a shark that has mm-hmm. a license plate jammed in its cheek because sharks, mm-hmm. sharks have cheeks in movies, I guess. Mm-hmm. And so they go and pull it out and it's a Louisiana license plate just like the one from Jaws. And then I, we get to the I, Meg, and then I, we get another we get another mother on the beach <laughs> with a weird little kid in the ocean who may or may not get eaten by a big shark. So,
2: yeah, I guess they just the formula, you know, isn't doesn't 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 have a lot of ingredients, <laughs> and it's easier to yeah. stick with the same old um, sort of tropes that you know that they know work. And I, you know, that I, mm-hmm. part of it might also be that well, first of all, they know that works, and why was Joss so you, you know they might steal from it because it was so successful and they they think that's what people want to see and you know I live in LA and I talk to people all the time and you know I feel like it's probably very much a bubble and whoever is the screenwriter does not extend a lot of time Uh, researching sharks or researching all the possibilities and all the interesting twists and turns you really could put into it It, it, you know I'm sure that they don't they don't know much about sharks at all they just know what people want to see and it's so funny because what you said about Jason Statham's chest that was the moment where I actually (laughs) laughed the hardest where I thought now they've gone too far (laughs) it's <laughs> just, just like the totally pointless gratuitous <laughs> shot of him taking the shirt off uh-huh. and i'm just like oh come on you know it's like you had to find that moment where he gets to stand there all you know covered in water or whatever yeah and i just thought that was that was more hokey than anything else i was like oh god you know whatever but <laughs> you know was I just, it's eye candy, yeah. and you know, if but it, I mean, I actually just kind of both of us, my friend and I, we were both like, Oh, Jesus, you know, now <laughs> so, but at least, at least yes. for once it was a guy and it wasn't a girl in, in her bathing suit, so that's that's always
1: encouraging. Um, yeah, we, we like it when the man, the men are being objectified, you know, much like <laughs> the women usually are. We're we're more fans of that. But it's yep. just like that uh, that action movie Hobbs and Shaw that came out a couple uh-huh. of weeks ago. Uh-huh. It's is I have no idea what the story's about. I could care less what the story's about. That's not why I was there. I was there <laughs> to look at these two attractive men taking their shirt off, flexing themselves. And you know, being snarky while they did it—that was yes. all I needed out of that. So that's
2: fine. Exactly. That's fine. Let's, let's just call it what it is.
1: Yeah. Um. So I think. So I think for me, when I like I said, when I went to see it with my sister and her friend, and they were just like, like for them, this was so suspenseful, and I'm like, y'all, this is the most formulaic movie ever like you just know exactly what's gonna of course there's more than one shark and of course yeah. it's gonna come up and of course uh-huh. it's gonna eat the. Su- you know like like i know that's coming even i haven't seen the movie but i've seen enough of these movies to know that that's exactly what's about to happen so uh, you know but i guess they don't watch these kind of movies that's not you know they're more mm. chick flick girls and that's fine that is so they're like oh my god I was like so suspenseful my heart's in my chest i'm like really oh, like, god, yeah. well okay you know, also also
2: all the cheesy one-liners it just makes you yeah. completely fall out of the story you know it's like if even the dialogue was a little bit better i might actually get sucked into these characters but you kind of watch it and really don't care who gets eaten too you no, know yeah not, doesn't you're not, matter you're not rooting for anyone you're just like oh it just ate the whole boat you know I, oh look at I, that I, you just don't care because you don't buy into the characters but
1: I no, could see no. myself working on Mana One because I really liked the snarky, sarcastic attitudes of everybody. I was like, I could totally fit right in. Mm-hmm. I don't know what I would do, but that would be great. I'd sit underwater and watch the whale swim by all day. That'd be great. I don't, you know, is
2: that the one from the Deep Blue Sea?
1: No, no, that's this one, the, oh. the underwater station that they're the lab that they're in before oh, yeah. they. Sink them mm-hmm. down to the ocean floor. Dude,
2: yeah, and I that's say the, In in the deep blue sea, my favorite moment was then unexpectedly Sam Jackson gets eaten. Like early, oh, in that the was film. the
1: best. That was like,
2: wait, somebody that's, had creative. You know, that
1: was that was really awesome. That was the best thing ever. Because, and it's one of those like like Heather just saw that one for the first time too. I think, uh, and it's it's one of those that if you when you don't know what's coming when you see it for the first time, it really uh, is shocking. Yeah, but. Anytime you see it after that, you know, it's coming and you're like waiting for it. And then it's just the funniest thing in the world.
2: <laughs> yeah, because also he's such a big actor. You didn't expect him to go so soon. Right. So it's almost like a joke from by him and by by the director. So, yeah, I yeah. have a little bit more insight in that film because a very close friend of mine knows that knows the director, yeah. Randy Harlan yeah. of that film. So we've had mm-hmm. conversations with him. And about his film and, and he has said that since then he's actually learned a lot more about sharks and he would, he would, he (laughs) he wish he would have had all of that knowledge before he made the film, but you know, at least in in that film too, again, you're, you know, it's a, it's an altered creature that was changed by us. So, you know, I can kind of go along with that and go, all right, well, that's, you know, it's a super, super shark that wouldn't naturally happen.
1: So, Yeah. There, we had a lot to say on that one. That was <laughs> that was a very interesting one. And then, uh, you know, like like I said, if, you, if you've seen that movie and you manage to stick around through the credits and listen mm-hmm. to LL Cool J's "Deepest Bluest," my hat is like a shark's fin. Mm-hmm. Then, uh, you know that yeah. sta- that sticks with you for days.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I so, mean, I think Meg was made. actually a film that was uh, in the making for many years. There were several people that were supposed to make it and then turned it down. That's what I heard. There were just quite, yeah. a few, quite a few directors who turned it down. And also, I think it was supposed to be located in different areas before, until they finally decided it that the story would run better if it was located off the coast of China or whatever mm-hmm. it ended up being. Um so, I think there was a lot of lot of changes going on over the years to to make that film and I think it 's really great that it took so long because the psyche is a little different now. I mean, I think mm-hmm. that that people are kind of ready to see a shark film and go whatever it 's fun i had a I did a presentation on the last shark trip I went on, and I showed all these uh, covers from different magazines that all had like giant big sharks' mouths you know jaws and and all of these movie posters all always a giant open jaw with teeth and usually a bikini babe about to be eaten and uh, one of them was actually deep lucy and it was jason statham it was one only one of the only movie posters that had a man in it half naked instead of a half naked woman but then i said you know there's a real real trend here it's always a big open mouth and um you know and a a person in danger and then I had a slide that said what if we showed our other animals if this is the only thing you would ever see and I had pictures of a really ferocious looking cat and a couple of like dog pictures where all you could see is just snarling open mouth and just coming at the camera and I said what if this is all you ever saw of these animals and you didn't know anything about them you would never have a cat or a dog yeah. It would be so shocked. You would be terrified of them because they looked very scary. And yep. they might not have even intended to be scary. They may might have been playing. You don't know, you know, because you grab a moment in time. And that's what they do with sharks. These pictures of sharks with open yep. jaws takes a very it's – a, it's a split second that you have to catch where you actually can see the teeth. And to get a shark to come out of the water to grab something, it's a complicated technique. You really have to have several people working together to get that shot. And you know, it's not—it's—it gets oversold so much that people think that that's how sharks are. The moment you see them, and you know, obviously, it doesn't happen that way.
0: <laughs> so, my husband took a picture of a monkey yawning, uh-huh. and it, the, the spot in which the you know the, it captured the image—you uh-huh. these big teeth in the monkey and oh yeah mean like he was going after and he was just yawning it was yeah yeah
2: it's just it's all we know so we don't have a lot of good additional information that makes us say well every once in a while that might happen or that's not real so you know for a lot of people that's the only imagery they have of sharks so no wonder they're scared
0: here's one snuggling a teddy bear (laughs) (laughs) right (laughs) yeah Yeah.
2: Unfortunately, we can't get them to do that. They're just not very social and snuggly. But, you know, we could just leave it be. You know, that's part of the thing is that, that it's just what's wrong with an animal just being an animal. They don't need to they don't need to be interesting or cute or lovable in order for us to protect them. That's You know, some conservationists go so far as to say, oh, but they're, they like us and they look for contact and they want to be, you know, petted and all that. And it's like, we don't need to go there because it's, I mean, I'm fairly, fairly certain that's not the case. You can take pictures like that. You can, you can put your arm around a shark and pretend that the shark was looking for your contact. And in some degrees, in some instances, there's a certain kind of, um, you know, uh, there are much times when certain sharks, they, they, that, that stimulus of having, especially like a chainmail suit rubbing their their pores, that they go into a little bit of a state of euphoria, I guess uh, it would be the closest to to describe it. But generally speaking, sharks do not seek our contact, and and they don't want to be hugged, and and we shouldn't have to make them that in order to to protect them. They should just be what they are, and and they shouldn't they shouldn't have to appeal to us yeah they have every right to be what they are, and and, like I said, they don't really care much about us one way or the other, and, and that's how it should be. So it's, you know
1: yeah I don't I don't think we want to be on their radar. I think it's better that we're not.: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Yeah, we're, very, we're the easiest thing to catch in the ocean, you know, we're, we're slower than anything else. We're noisier, we're very clumsy mm-hmm. um, because we don't belong there you know we're kind of like a fish that comes on land so if anything wants to catch us just about anything in the ocean even the smallest reef fish is faster than us so Mm -hmm. you know we that's why we don't really have a shark problem because we would know it if we did (laughs) because we'd be they'd be just stalking every beach on every continent every single day if they wanted an easy meal we're the easiest thing to catch
1: yeah, I read that uh, more people are killed by toasters every year than are killed by sharks. And and I think it's actually by a lot. Like I think maybe 22 people die from toasters every year, which
2: Yeah, there's some there's some other really great ones. Um selfies, mm-hmm. um falling off chairs. Yeah. Um, mosquitoes, bees, pigs, more more people get killed by pigs than by, mm-hmm. by sharks, I just found out. Uh, but you know, none of those things are in the ocean. So I, I try to find things that are in the ocean and by far more people get hurt by boating accidents, being hit by a jet yeah. ski, uh, drowning in a riptide, uh, get, you know, getting their neck jammed into the sand by a wave. Um sand hole collapse is another one who knew that existed. I guess people fall into the sand when they dig a hole and then it collapses in on them. Wow uh that's a gruesome way to go, but apparently more people die of that. so you know choose your battles, I guess, or choose your choose your death. <laughs> <laughs> you know the outcome is the same. It's just that we're very horrified if it's yeah. an animal. All right, any other final
1: thoughts on the meg? I know we didn't go super in depth on it, but I think we've talked about it pretty well throughout.
2: There's nothing much to say about it. There's nothing much to say about it. It's so there isn't much there, you know. I mean, it's colorful and it's, the scenery is is cool, and and um, but it's also the CGI and mm-hmm. everything was a little bit fake looking. I, I just there isn't really much good to say about it, honestly. Um, I can say a lot of good things <laughs> about Jaws, the first one, and none not of the yeah, no. consecutive ones. And and I might have a few good things to say about the Deep Blue Sea, but. Just about any of the other ones, it's just not much to say, except you do a whole lot of eye rolling when you watch them. <laughs>
1: you know. Yeah, I think I think it's a fun yeah. movie. It's clearly not not educational or realistic in any way, shape or form. But I, it's it's one of those brainless popcorn movies that you can really yeah. get into. And, and again, you know, Jason Statham for me over the last couple of years has just really like. You know, he's he's known for these kind of big mm-hmm. action movies, but in the last few years, he's taken these roles like uh, with Melissa oh, McCarthy yeah. in Spy mm-hmm. and then in the Hob- Hobbs and Shaw to where it's a little bit more of a almost digging yeah. at himself and the characters mm-hmm. that he's played. And I like that. I like that little bit of you know humor behind it, and not taking him so seriously. Yeah, it's a
2: little bit of a like a self deprecating humor. Like, yeah, I'm so tough, mm-hmm. but laughing at himself at the same time. Yeah, that is, that is great. I mean, I watched Meg also because I do like to see big special effects, and I wanted to see how they would how they would make a megalodon look. Um, that, yeah. And that's the reason why I wasn't interested in Sharknado. I was like, there's nothing that in- interests me about that. I, I already know what that's going <laughs> to look like.
1: They look like puppets, yeah. yeah and, they and it's don't... just
2: also, it, it's not going to be graceful or interesting. I, I like films that try to show us what the underwater world look like because movies are getting really good at it. So I, I like mm-hmm. to kind of get into that, that at least the Meg had that, you know, it was actually in the ocean, but you start taking sharks out of the ocean then you're like, that's just going to be ridiculous. I think there's, there is a movie that's called the shark avalanche where sharks are coming down mm-hmm. in a snow avalanche. I don't know if that, that <laughs> actually, probably went straight to video, I'm yeah. sure, or straight to DVD <laughs> or whatever, but you know, I'm not going uh, out of my way to watch that one either.
1: <laughs> right. Exactly. Alright, well let's let's take one more sure. quick break and we're gonna come back and we're gonna talk about the top five reasons that you are to blame if you get bitten by oh, a shark. Yes. Wondersoul.
0: Wondersoul wonder wonder Soul.
2: Hey, I'm Lucas, the host of Wonder Soul, a weekly podcast series featuring a variety of topics dealing with life's many passions and experiences. Join me and friends each week as
1: I discuss topics ranging from pop culture to real life conversations that all can find relatable. New episodes bring new guests and new topics and release every Friday. More content
2: can be found on Wondersoul's YouTube and Twitch channels. Stay up to date and connect with Wondersoul through social media by following us on Twitter and Instagram. And we hope that you enjoy Wondersoul wherever you listen to podcasts. So do good and take care.
0: Want a chance to support the show? Want to get some awesome rewards and nerdy bitches swag? Then head over to our Patreon account at
1: patreon.com slash nerdybitches. From Not Your Basic Bitch to Rockstar Bitch, we have a monthly plan to fit any budget. Your support allows us to really up our game and make sure the show stays awesome without bowing to corporate sponsorship.
0: In addition to providing prizes, giveaways, and convention coverage, we will also donate 20% of all net profits each month to other independent podcasts. This allows us to help grow other indie shows that we believe in. So hit us up at patreon.com slash nerdybitches and support your favorite bitches
1: today. Okay, we're back. So now we are going to talk about the top five reasons that it's your fault if you get attacked by a shark. So what do you guys think about that? Do you think it's somebody's fault if they get bitten? Shark's fault? Who, Where does the blame um, lay?
2: Well, I'm on the side of um, saying it always is the human's fault for being in the wrong place at the wrong time, I mean, not intentionally doing the wrong thing. Sometimes I, I get it when you're swimming and you get bit. It's it's not something you you try to be stupid, but it certainly mm-hmm. isn't the shark's fault. Um, it it still is the human's fault for being in a situation where well, there are sharks in the water that can bite you. And if you want to 100% avoid getting bit, the only thing you can do is is not go in the water. So the mm-hmm. moment you enter the water, and if it's salty. There can be a shark. So at the moment you go in, you should accept the fact that you could get bitten.
1: And if it's a bull shark, it doesn't even have to be salty water.
2: That's very true. <laughs> but guaranteed, if it's salty, then you always should. Them, right? yeah. and, and fresh water in, in yeah. certain instances, yes, for sure. But not not so far inland. I mean, I had a friend who was, lived yeah. in Idaho in, mm-hmm. in some lake, Lake um, Coeur d'Alene, I think is it? She grew up there mm-hmm. water skiing, and she said she was always scared of sharks in case one came all the way up the rivers and all the way into idaho and I'm like I'm pretty <laughs> sure that, but her brothers, her they, brothers told her told I, her that and scared yeah, her I, the the life out of her mm-hmm. for her whole t- childhood. Can you imagine that
1: yeah, yeah, well, actually, I can because my family grew up on the the coast here in Texas. Uh-huh. And I was terrified because they were Bayou people. Uh, So they, you know, it's, and it's brackish water. So it's clear near the, near the Gulf, but it's not exactly mm -hmm. there. I was terrified of alligator gars my entire life because I got, I got told a story about my uncle's babysitter getting freaking eaten by one in their backyard. (laughs) I'm like, oh, well, I'm done. You want to know how I'm not going to get eaten by an alligator gar? I'm not going in that dirty water. So the only
0: thing
1: you can do.
2: But uh, top five reasons, um, well, I, d- I don't want to monopolize this. And No, no, it's fine. Top five reasons so it think- would be, you know, I guess my beef with, with people is that it used to be seen as a, a wilderness experience and you had to be somewhat trained, you know, even on land, people used to consider themselves adventurers and they they got some sort of like backcountry training or they knew about hunting or they knew about something before they went into the wild and they knew how to deal with bear encounters. Now everyone that buys a hiking stick uh, thinks they should be able to walk anywhere and then they're shocked when they see a bear and they don't know how to act. And the same thing happens with sharks. It used to be, think about it around the time Jacques Cousteau was in the waters. There were very few people who thought they could just put a mask on and do whatever they want and be fine
0: mm-hmm.
2: uh, now, because snorkeling and scuba diving is promoted as something everyone can do and and it is physically it's very easy to do, but mentally and and from a knowledge point of view, people go in the water they have no clue they think it's it's pretty blue water and i 'm in the Bahamas or i'm in you know in a in a tropical place. It looks so benign I should be able to go in. And then when something happens, immediately people feel that that shark must have been sneaking up on you and it wasn't supposed to be there. So I think a lack of knowledge is what gets most people bit. Um, you mm-hmm. know, they go in the water and even if they do see a shark, they don't know how to read its behavior. They don't know what the species is. They don't know why they might be there. Um, if there's chum in the water, you should be able to make the determination that it's not a good time to be there. Uh, because Mm -hmm. the animal will be in a hunting mode. It has switched on and it's in hunting mode when it has food and scent and not necessarily blood. It's more about fish oil and and things like that. So if you're not aware and you're not seeing that somebody down on the pier is throwing fish guts in because they cleaned up a fish or there's a spear fisherman in the water right underneath you, spearing fish and the sharks go nuts when they hear that sound. All these things Mm -hmm. are if you're knowledgeable, you see that, you're like, well that's I'm backing off a little bit. I shouldn't be here. So it's all of those things that that we just feel that the ocean should be our pool. It should be we should Mm -hmm. be allowed to have fun. Yet then when shockingly when we see a shark, you know, they it, it gets written up as a story where a shark infiltrates swimming area, you know, and it's it's just bogus because the shark was there first and it's human that infiltrated so it's really a lack of knowledge that gets most people that's top number one and then Mm -hmm. you know then the other ones would be particular instances where divers uh using using chum in the wrong way i'm not against chumming i mean it's one of the only ways you get sharks to come close for photos and for Mm -hmm. encounters but you do it very Um, respectfully and you don't have to chum huge buckets and it just a little bit of scent a little bit of visual and even sound can attract them Mm -hmm. and you know unfortunately sometimes tourists come along and they sit in the wrong place they'll sit downstream from where the chum is floating and when you're supposed to be Mm -hmm. sitting upstream and You know, flesh can look a little fingers and toes can look similar to what's floating around in the water. And then you get bit again, it's awareness and awareness problem Um, or just being ignorant and saying, I have a guide. He should tell me exactly what to do at all times. So and then another one would be harassing sharks. Like I said, a lot of people get bitten because they're manhandling a nurse shark or stepping on a carpet shark. They're, they're mm-hmm. yanking, they're fishing from shore and they're yanking a, a fish on shore and try to get the hook out. They get bitten. They hook one from a boat. A lot of um, sort of unprovoked attacks, they call them, are from just handling sharks. And they're thrashing around and the, sh- the sharp teeth graze you, you know. So.
0: They, they call it unprovoked if you're, if you actually touch the shark.
2: It's unprovoked if you're handling the shark and you pulled it closer to you, then the shark okay. can just sneak up on you. you provoked is it. sort of like <laughs> wait, the other way sorry, sorry. Exactly the other way around. Provoke, provoked if you if you stood in the way of the mouth because you made it, you know, pulled yeah. it in. Okay. Unprovoked this is <laughs> when somebody's swimming and had no idea it was they were gonna get bit
1: yeah so provoked is like you go go up and you you poke the shark or your your hand feeding i've seen where people are losing their hands Mm -hmm. because obviously the shark can't tell necessarily where the fish ends and your fist begins um and then right
2: and i mean there are locations where people do that all day long year after year but they're very mm -hmm, knowledgeable and they're very that you know they train themselves well and and you know, but again, it's like everything else. You're in the most danger when you are a beginner or uneducated about what you do. Once you get to be more advanced, you get safer and safer. Unless you you push the boundaries of not wanting to be safe. You know, any sport is yeah. like that, and any activity is like that. The most dangerous people are the ones that know absolutely nothing or think they know a little mm-hmm. bit. And that's the same with sharks. Exactly the same.
1: Yeah, I think we also see um, a lot of this attacks when the people are in the wrong place at the wrong time. So if they're in an area that is like prime feeding spot, let's say, like I know in the Bahamas, they'll have a lot of these trips where you where they do hand mm-hmm. feed or whatever. And the sharks kind of know this is happening or this is coming and you're in the you're in the area where they're looking for food. Or if you're maybe mm-hmm. just in bad conditions, real murky water or at like sunup, sundown and those things that yeah. are just not not a good time. And I think that goes back to what you're saying about just not really having the awareness of, you know, that being a bad idea.
2: Or or being willing to to push the mm-hmm. boundary. If, um, you know, um, surfers will surf right next to a seal colony because the best wave is there. But they do it knowing that the sharks could be there. They're not. They're not pretending that the sharks couldn't yeah. be there. So they know. They the know. sharks are and, there. Uh, they <laughs> yeah. are there, and they're hunting. So you know, you 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 push your boundaries knowingly. I'm not saying that it's any less tragic when something does happen, uh, but it, it you know at that point you you kind of accepted a, a higher degree of risks, and so that would fall under your five points in some way. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, and again, very few people, even in that situation, ever get right. bit. It's amazing how few people do get bit. Um then there's a few where you just don't really quite know why it happened. You know, there were there was a bite in, in Maui earlier this year. Um, there was just a swimming spot in Coral Reef and there was nobody fishing and a tiger shark bit someone. But you know, tiger sharks are a little tricky. I mean, they're they're not that predictable in where they live. They don't stay on one reef. They they meander all around the islands. And um, there are things that people people have changed not the behavior of sharks, but they have changed the landscape, um, the way nutrients run into the water and where the turtles are. The turtles are closer to shore now because there's so many of them, and and because. The reefs are so fished out then the tiger sharks specialize more at hunting turtles so then they also come closer to shore so again it was a sort of human impact that has changed that and i tell people the best way to be safe is, is wear a mask and see where you're mm. swimming if you're swimming in the ocean don't just swim and splash around and i feel much safer if i can see what's what's around and how they're acting because very often if you had seen that shark that that bit someone he was probably around for a while and was looking around and checking things out and 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 eventually said well i'm going to check that thing Mm -hmm. out and even even as a shark is starts to get interested in you when they can see that you can see them they usually lose interest as soon as they see your face pointing at them and they see your eyeballs and they're like okay this thing just saw Mm -hmm. me my my moment's kind of over you know that's that's the key thing um for being safe with sharks and larger, larger sharks that, that could be, you know, trying to, to bite you. It's, it's really just about them knowing where you are in the hierarchy Mm -hmm. and that you're not a total victim and that you could be a threat to them. And, and um, you know, watching their, their behavior and and watching them whether they're acting nervous too because if you have a situation where sharks are nervous about something um and twitchy and and it could be insecurity too that they defensively might come and bump mm-hmm. you not even trying to bite you but they're just like you're in the reef area where it's they feel it's their territory and you know it, it can happen well, and so, i think
1: that's something a lot of people don't understand is like you know sharks don't have hands all they have are their snouts and their teeth. Like that's what they have to to figure out the world. And we're just really puny. Like they can go take a bite out of a seal and that seal can still, you know, get away and maybe live out its life on the beach or whatever. We're not like that. You take a big bite out of us and we're just going to bleed out in about 10 minutes. So I think that's, you know, it's like we just need to be smart about what we're doing. Respectful, you know.
2: Yeah, so so I don't know, does that kind of that kind of fills your list, yeah. I think. But really I guess there just really is one one major one which is um people not being aware of what they're doing. And and I, I agree, there there are some where it really just happens and there is nothing you could have done about it. But again, I'm just the important point is is that it's rarely ever the animals' fault. Yeah because they're behaving exactly the way that they were supposed to, even when they're cleaning up, you know, shipwrecks. I and mean, so that's kind
1: of their job, you know? Like-
2: unfortunately, that's exactly what they were meant to do, is just to take out the weak and the slow and the sick and the dying and the struggling, because in nature, that's not a good thing to have yeah. around because uh, it could pass on whatever it has to a lot of other animals. So you know you, if sharks wouldn't take out the sick dolphins and the slow ones that have infections they they can pass on their disease to the whole clan and you know that wouldn't be good so this is why it, it works perfectly in the in the oceanic system what sharks do works perfectly it help, keeps everything healthy but you start adding the human and it becomes complex yeah <laughs>
1: definitely heather do you have anything to add
0: um n- no I, I don't have any I the only thing I can think of is um that uh Finding Nemo was it Finding Nemo where the shark uh looked straight up and the lady was wearing like a uh ho ho cupcake swimsuit <laughs> and you're uh-huh. like hey. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> well yeah I mean you know i I, kept, I can say something about that. I mean there there's always that perception that um, there is, that sharks biting surfers is a mistaken identity. Um, and it really isn't really the full truth because sharks are smart enough to know generally um what they're looking at, but because we're up on the surface and struggling and splashing in their mind, we're struggling, they're like, well, this might be worth checking out. I know it's not a seal. I know it's not that, but it's here. I'm going to check it out. You know, so I don't think that they're barreling at a surfer and and trying to bite them and thinking, oh, oopsie, that wasn't the seal. Oh, gee, I I thought it was. It's just, it fits in there, into their, um, you know, what they're interested in. And there's a lot of different science and different experiments that have been done on colors and outlines. And what, which shark, uh, you know, is it yellow, yum, yum, yellow that they prefer or... Is it red, or do they even see red? Um, is it certain outlines? Is it they've tried suits that were um, colored like sea snakes, black and like black and white ringed, thinking that oh sharks know that, that sea snakes are poisonous, so they wouldn't attack you. But you're not at all the shape of a sea snake, and <laughs> it's kind of offensive to think that to the shark to think that they're that dumb. They don't just look at the color and go oh there must be a sea snake. The shape and the place where you're swimming, it's all wrong. So that whenever somebody's trying to design something that that should be a shark repellent and they they simplify it to think that they can trick a shark who has two more senses than we do has evolved 400 million years in the ocean to be perfected to think that they would not notice that the shark that you're looking at is a robot you know they've tried to make robot <laughs> sharks to try and get closer to the sharks and they are like swimming sideways and swimming and making a
1: <laughs> what are noise, you, you know? but, <laughs>
2: I mean, just because it happens to have the shape of a shark, the sharks are not going to be fooled. They're hearing you coming from miles away, and uh, <laughs> so it's funny what we put on them. Um, you know, if they've the the thing is too, they've also tried um, to put what was it uh, the sounds of orca into the water to scare them because orcas can actually they're they can predate on sharks. And all sorts of things. But what people always forget is, is that not every shark is going to meet an orca. And if they live in an area where orcas don't hunt, it means nothing mm-hmm. to them. You know, so it's it's always that. Same with sea snakes. The, it, sea snakes are in, in Indonesia. You know, they're not over here. So they, it's very complex. And to try and simplify it, it it's almost like saying, you know, you're tr- going to try to put on a gorilla suit to 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 scare people. It just you know we're not going to buy into that. Yeah. You know it's
1: it's funny. it's like if I buy if I buy a robot dog and introduce it to my three dogs, they're going to know it's not a dog. Like
2: yeah, yeah. But, but as as far as like what you can do to make yourself look less appealing in water, it's not so much about the color and the shape, but it's really more about your behavior and how much noise you make and how much you splash and where you are at, at you know in that particular moment. So. Being calm and and uh, moving slowly with little noise is always the best method. And uh, all this stuff about punch and yell and do all that—that's it. That's probably—I mean, I, last minute if you're really having to fend them off. But splashing and yelling is the opposite from what you should be doing. If you can just keep your eyes on them and move slowly, you're you're much better off.
1: I think it's like going through any bad neighborhood, whether it's on land or down the street. It's like, don't act like a prey. Don't act like a victim. Mm -hmm. Don't be splashing around and, you know, whatever. And you'll be fine, mostly.
2: Yeah. I mean, and it's funny you say that because sometimes people ask me, how do you swim with sharks and not be nervous? And what do you do to interact with them and control them? And I said, well, it's not really controlling, but you have to just be willing to, Um, decide and evaluate at any moment where am I in this whole scenario am I the weakest link am I uh, are the sharks starting to push me around am I you know at the bottom of the hierarchy Uh, can I assert myself can I push back a little bit can I make myself big and be the dominant one and sometimes it's just good to kind of Try to be very, you can never be submissive, but you can be sort of unobtrusive and they just calm down and they leave you completely alone. And I always tell people it's a lot like if you were to walk through a dark alley and you saw some suspicious characters and you had to pass by them, you you have decisions you can make. You can turn around and not go there. You can try and like look the other way and make no eye contact and hope they won't see you or look very much uh, benign to them, or you puff yourself up and you're ready to make sure that they get out of your way. There's all those choices. And it's exactly the same with, with animals. You know, you decide where you're at in that moment, but if you don't even notice it and just run into them, it's a little bit too late. Right. And you don't have any
1: options. <laughs> so you walk right into that knife in the dark alley. Cause you weren't like, paying oh, attention.
2: See, <laughs> it, it, that just happened. So,
1: Yeah. Okay, uh, Heather, do you have any uh, random internet quotes this week for us?
0: Yes, this one is from Shane Koenig, one at Shane Koenig when he's on Twitter. He says, Imagine being a two hundred year old shark, two hundred years old, not doing shit, swimming in the ocean, never been to Olive Garden. <laughs> <laughs> That's
1: that awesome. great. So, <laughs> so um, okay, we want to remind everybody, and first of all, we want to thank you so much, Stephanie, for being here on the show today. We have had just a blast and learning more about sharks. And again, I want to stay in contact with you, see what, you know, how we can do more team ups in the future would be fantastic. Um, but I want to remind everybody that you can go to my birthday fundraiser on our, uh, Facebook page, nerdy bitches, uh, podcast, Facebook page, and donate some money. That'll go to shark allies. It doesn't come to us. It goes straight to them. um, also remind everybody to go check out our partners at Frankie and Myrrh for some awesome aromatherapy. If you've been feeling like a bitchy shark this week, you can go get some spray the bitch away and you can get 15% off.
0: No shark products were used in the making of Frankie.
1: No shark products were used in the making of any <laughs> Frankie and Myrrh product and for uh you can get 10, 15% off of all of your purchases using our code nerdy bitches and um Stephanie, why don't you tell us where everybody can find Shark Allies?
2: Um, luckily, it's very easy. Shark Allies is our website, .org. Uh, and all the social channels, it's also Shark Allies. So very easy. And Instagram, Facebook, also on Twitter, but we don't do much on Twitter. So we're we're most active on Instagram and Facebook, um we just can't can't handle the, the amount of work that comes yeah. with twitter so
1: sure <laughs> it's too,
2: too much yeah so it's very easy sharkallies.org or .com and we also have different fin uh, fin campaign names but all of them lead to the exact same website okay
1: okay and if somebody were interested in getting involved with shark allies or a group like that what would be your best recommendation for them
2: uh, follow the group for a while on on social media and see if it resonates with you. If you like what they do, and we're easy to find. Uh, just click on contact on the website and and shoot us an email. Um, that and you know ask us how you can help. Uh, it always helps us to know what people what their expertise is and what they what they like doing or what what they can sort of bring to the table. Whether it's contacts or technical expertise or they love to do events. They love you know whatever you can offer because like i said um it's actually sometimes hard to uh, to figure out how to engage people we do need a lot of help uh but the help may sometimes come in in, in different ways that you might not expect and it's very often in in exactly what you do is for a job You know, that that could be the most Mm -hmm. helpful. And so uh, if you want to help and want to get involved, don't be shy to ask groups, not just me, even other groups, um, because every animal advocacy group needs people that are good at social media or web design or accounting or consulting Um, whatever you have might be usable. It's not always just money. So I suggest that you reach out and ask. Don't be shy. And don't think that you have to have a massive background or knowledge because it's not about that. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Excellent. Well, we want to thank everybody for listening this week and remind you that next week is the last week of Shark Month, and I'm already sad about it. Mm -hmm. But we are going to be covering the infamous Sharknado. And this is going to be a first for uh, both of us (laughs) to listen to. So (laughs) entertaining. So uh, thank you again, Stephanie, for being here. We really appreciate it. And we will see you guys next time.
2: Thank you very much. It was
1: super fun. Thank you.
2: Thank
0: you. Music provided by www.bensound.com. And please email feedback to contact us at nerdybitches.com.
1: So we're the uh, kale salad of the food chain.